0: We're back on The Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Justin and Ailish, on your Friday after the series that we thought might be over last night was extended. The Stars avoid a sweep with an OT winner against the Vegas Golden Knights. More hockey. I guess that's a bonus for us. Same with the basketball. Uh, the Celtics hanging in there. The Boston team lives on.
1: Yeah, that one's not quite over. Yeah. Despite what Jimmy Butler says.
0: Well, the positive in Boston, as there hasn't been much lately, right? Pete Blackburn, hockey correspondent at Valley Sports. We got to try to find our shots this morning, but we're both in the same boat. Maybe united by our cats' hate or our love for the crazy underdog story. Where do you fall, and what's going on with the Florida Panthers?
2: I mean, it's, it's kind of hard not to be rooting for them at this point. I mean, it's obviously it's kind of a double edged sword when it comes to them knocking out the Bruins. Where you know you can say. Uh, you know, it's it, it's easier to, to say and, and write it off as, well, they're just a good team. And, and you know, you didn't get eliminated by a joke of a team, but also it's easy to look at it and say, uh, you could have easily been in this position too had they just closed them out when they had them up 3-1 and, and uh, up against the wall. So uh, it's, it's tough to swallow a little bit still, but I, I'm kind of rooting for the Panthers. They're a cool underdog story.
1: Yeah, I think the ultimate sliding doors moments belong to the Florida Panthers this year with uh, Chicago beating Pittsburgh so they could get in and that stop from Sergei Bobrovsky on Brad Marchand late and it was regulation. Yeah, uh, with the chance Correct, to put yeah. them away. I mean, just unbelievable how close things were to being over or not even started. And now they're going to a Stanley Cup final. And uh, I do like their chances in that Stanley Cup final. Um okay let's get to the Leafs I mean it's always about the (laughs) Leafs what do you make of the drama that's unfolded over the last two or three weeks uh with the Toronto Maple Leafs since they were eliminated at the hands of the Florida Panthers I mean
2: it just feels like the beginning of of something like weird and dark right Mm -hmm. I I mean like I don't know you guys probably have a better pulse on it than I do but it just seems like a complete mess and I, I don't know. Anytime somebody comes out and said, you says you want to GM with bite. I don't even know what that means. Like, it's gotta be bad news. <laughs> I, I would think, I don't know. Like it's, it's a situation where like you, you, there's so the, the organization is so big and there are so many layers of like approval and of, uh, you know, checks and balances. And it just seems like that was a really sloppy way to go about firing somebody who's done A relatively good job like I think that you know even even as much as I like to poke fun at the Naples like Kyle Dubas has done a pretty good job uh building that team over the years and kind of sticking with his vision and yeah like it hasn't gone a whole whole ton of places uh outside of this year I guess but I don't know like I, I was surprised that it was handled in the way that it that it was
1: Yeah, you're right. It did seem sloppy and it seems anti MLSC in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, I guess it's felt like there were promises that there were going to be changed and everything was going to be different. And it may be just so that Kyle Dubas is the only change because they're dragging their feet a little bit here. We're what a month away from the draft We're five weeks away from uh, the Maple Leafs big core four having essentially no move assurances. The Leafs are not really moving overly quick when it comes to hiring the new general manager. But how could you? Because it's such an important job. It just feels like, you know, all the change that might have been built up is just not going to manifest itself because, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's much of a rush. And we also heard a report that Brendan Shanahan promised the core four they'd be back. So are your expectations that they won't do much and it will be kind of running it back, even if that wasn't their intention immediately after they lost to the Panthers?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know like it it doesn't necessarily have to happen before I, the draft. Uh you know, I, I guess you, you know, movement clauses are what they are. Uh you know, if if a guy feels like the team doesn't want him there, why is he going to stay? Um so it, th- those can always change, but um you know, I I think that it, it's it's hard to make a big franchise altering trade when you don't have the guy in place, right? And it's hard for they got to make that decision in a in course of a couple of weeks. So the, you know the longer this goes on, obviously the more likely it is they're kind of just gonna run it back with the core four and and, and give it another
0: shot. Yeah, they're certainly up against the clock with a, a pretty long list of things to do. But it doesn't seem like the clock is ticking too fast in that boardroom. So we'll see how the next month plays out. But it gives us lots of good content to talk about. So we're not too mad about it. Um, let's talk with the Florida Panthers because Matthew Kachuk has been uh, certainly someone that has haunted, uh, I guess, both of us. Um, his star power, what he's been able to do this last couple games has been pretty incredible. Um, I guess he's carved himself out and, and maybe the realm of NHL superstars, what's it been like watching that kid this year and what he's been able to do?
2: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, there's every playoff run, there seems to be somebody who, whether it's like a role player who kind of establishes himself as, oh, like this is somebody worth knowing their name, like this is on everybody's mm-hmm. radar now, or it's a star who kind of like vaults himself to another echelon. Like Matthew Kachuk has raised his profile and his stardom more than anybody else in the playoffs right now and it, it, he, I think that he's officially, like, a, you could put the superstar stamp on him mm-hmm. if, he, if he didn't already have it. He is just, like, a, a guy who comes up in, in huge moments, is super important to his team, and has that sort of, he has that it factor, right? Like, whether it's scoring in overtime, whether it's his, like, charismatic interviews, <laughs> he's just kind of got it all right now, and, uh, you know, it, he's super fun to watch, but also not only because of how he plays on the ice, but just because of how much fun he's having, like, he has sort of like the joy and, and enthusiasm of a 10 year old who is like in love with hockey. And that's very cool to watch. Cause you can kind of see that leave some guys as they get older, but he, he certainly still has it. And I think you can say the same for Brady. Like that's just a through and through hockey family.
0: Isn't Matthew Kachuk, in the way you just explained him, like kind of like the epitome of who the Florida Panthers are right now, that fun, like, guys that look like they're just enjoying themselves, rats being thrown on the ice, the, the fan base kind of with no expectations and now being the rowdiest place. Like, I feel like he's a perfect face of that franchise, even though he hasn't been there too long, to just, like, weld them into the Stanley Cup final.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, and, I, and I think that, honestly, some of that may have come uh, to the Florida Panthers through Matthew Kachuk and just kind of like what he's brought to that locker room. But you're right in the sense that look, you look at that team and they all look like they're having so much fun. They look like they like each other a whole lot. Like it, it's a unit thing and you need that. And that's what that's what they're playing like too. They're playing like a full unit top to bottom and they're all playing their roles. And yeah, some guys are superstars who are carrying a bigger weight. Uh, you talk about Kachuk and Bobrovsky, but like they're all in for the greater cause and that's that's what you need to win a Stanley Cup. So they look really, really good and cohesive at this point.
0: So if Matthew Kachuk has raised his profile the most in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Sergey Brubovsky must be right behind him. Um, just, I mean, the contract alone and what the last couple of seasons have been like for him, it feels like it's erased with what he's been able to do this playoff run. He's the front runner for the Smythe Trophy. How is he doing this? <laughs>
2: good question. I, the, I think the better question is, how is he doing this for so long? Because mm. we've seen Sergey Bobrovsky be great in stretches, but he is the biggest Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of goal setting in the NHL, where that switch can be flipped uh, very, very quickly, and he can look very bad. And we've seen it in past playoff runs. You know, I saw it when uh, you know he went up against the Bruins in the second round uh, a handful of years ago. He had a great first round and a really, really good half of the second round, and then at some point, he just fell off a cliff, and that's kind of been the story for Sergey Bobrovsky. But the fact that he's been able to do it for this long and be this good—like this is the best goaltending stretch that we've seen from anybody for like a decade and a half, maybe since Tim Thomas, maybe since J.S. Jager. So, like, it's it's really cool that that now, if he wins the Stanley Cup, nobody can make fun of him for his contract because you win a cup, and there's no such thing as a bad contract.
1: Yeah, I love that. I I love how it's the one thing that you can unite everybody in terms of hockey onlookers uh, that the Sergei Bobrovsky contract was terrible. And now you cannot say that. No one can say that anymore if they win a Stanley Cup is very, very funny to me. Uh, So you're not there if you're the Florida Panthers without Bob. You're not there probably without Matthew Kachuk because he's been so clutch and so important for the DNA of this team. But I wonder if there's anyone else who would be labeled indispensable with this group so far. Like, I think Brandon Montour was brilliant against Boston. Uh, but when I'm going down the list, I'm not really sure there's someone who, if you just plucked them out of that scenario, would upset the apple card to the extent, not to the extent at all, like Matthew Kachuk or Sergey Bobrovsky. So who else, if anyone in your mind, has been indispensable to this run for the Florida Panthers?
2: Uh, I mean, like to, to this run, uh, you wouldn't say like Sergey or uh, uh, Alexander Barkov, but like, I think he is pretty indispensable to that team. Uh, But I mean, outside of that run, I've, I've really liked uh, Sam Bennett. Uh, Like he, he, you can say what you want about Sam Bennett and sort of like his antics, but like he, he's one of those hard-nosed guys that you need. Same with Sam Reinhardt. Like those guys are really, really big ancillary pieces and, and, to me, Bennett is kind of just like a playoff DNA guy where he's not always gonna you know, he's not always gonna show up in like very noticeable ways, but he is a hard nosed guy who will who will get to the areas, play uh play in around the net and be and be tough and, and on both ends of the ice. So, uh he's one of those guys that I would look at.
1: Yeah. He's been pretty indispensable. Uh, that physicality has been very, very important. And it seems like Matthew Kachuk likes to play with them. They didn't play with each other much in Calgary, which is uh, a bit strange. Uh, now thinking back on it, um, that said, speaking of which, like the the Calgary flames have to be
2: having the worst, the worst <laughs> playoff run, right? Like given the way that their season ended and everything that happened there and having to watch Matthew Kachuk and, and Sam Bennett and even Lombard, like Yikes, like that's got to be so heartbreaking. I think th- they have
1: one more point in the season than the Florida yeah. Panthers did and it's did tough. not make the playoffs, of course, being in the opposite side. So, yeah, it's not been it's not been great for the Florida Panthers since uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk decided they wanted to go elsewhere. Um, that, say, that said, with Florida, with Bob and Kachuk, and I guess Sam Bennett and Barkov are like close or, you know, flirting with the line when it comes to indispensable is this an all-time bad roster to make the Stanley Cup final?
2: Uh, on paper, yeah, probably. Like they're, I think they're kind of catching. I, I don't even know what I want. I don't even know if I can say they're catching lightning in a bottle because, like, a lot of this same team won the Presidents' Trophy last year. Yeah,
1: but they, they lost it's a hot, lot though. Not,
2: they did. I mean, they're, you're right that they did. But like, I don't know. They, they're carrying over a, some some of that, and and it's not impressive on paper. I'll say that it's, it's definitely not a team that a lot of us would look at and be like, okay, this team is definitely making the Stanley cup final, especially with Sergey Bobrovsky and that.
1: Yeah. I've been sort of uh, internally struggling with that because yeah, they won the president's trophy and contrary to popular belief, the president's trophy does matter because three of the last four teams could win the Stanley cup the year after winning the president's trophy. So it does tell you like, yeah, you're a good team, and you have to be a really good team, and maybe it just has to break right. Or you need to make a small tweak to go from a you know, a regular season roster to a playoff roster. I'm not sure, though, other can chuck what they've changed. And, yeah, if you look at the total loss, um, it seems like they've lost some talent from one year to the next. Um, for you, the more baffling soundbite, Jamie Ben explaining his fall <laughs> or Rod Brendamore explaining the sweep?
2: uh jamie ben probably because like i i could get it i could understand what what rod brendamore is trying to get at obviously uh, the way that it came out was very funny and yeah. you know I, I i would imagine looking at it on paper he would be like ah, i wish i didn't say it this or get swept but i can at least understand what he was getting at jamie ben it's like you had a full day to come up with an excuse and you showed up in your excuse of like my dog ate my homework or something like it, it to, to say that you fell and you used the, your stick as like a landing point on a guy's neck when we all saw the replay, cameras exist. Come on, j- at least just like be like, okay, I was a scumbag. I'll eat my two-game suspension.
0: Yeah, and as the captain of the team, dodging the media post game, it's just it's a tough look. It's a tough look, and that was a must win game for them. But they uh, at least have extended the series a bit, and we're looking at Vegas as I, I, I'm feeling confident at least right now that Vegas would be the team joining the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup final. And if you're sizing up that Vegas team, I don't feel like maybe Aiden Hill's the answer. But if they have one superstar that has been like their Conn Smythe Trophy fi- favorite, we know that the Florida Panthers almost have multiple but is this vegas team just a bit more balanced in your perspective
2: yeah i think so but i also think that you know jack eichel is kind of a boring answer but jack eichel it's it's easy to forget that uh like a couple months ago people were questioning what he would look like in the playoffs because he's never been there so for him to do it in his first playoff run and be as good as he has been on both ends of the ice I've been really impressed, and I think that he really put any of those questions to bed, both about uh, what he'd look like in the playoffs and whether he'd ever kind of look like Jack Eichel as like a superstar again. So um, that's been good to see. And then obviously, you know, Jonathan Marshall has come up in, in some massive moments for the Golden Knights, and one of the few guys who is uh, remaining from that, that previous team So um, that, that made the Stanley Cup final. So I think, uh, you know, Jonathan Marshall has been uh, a pretty massive piece in terms of, of scoring goals and big moments for them.
1: Yeah, assuming Vegas gets there, is the Marchessault-Smith revenge narrative juicy enough to sort of whet the appetite for, uh, I guess, a unexpected Stanley Cup final?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's a stretch. Uh, yeah, I don't, that was I don't a know stretch how, how many, while it was coming tried,
0: out
2: of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many uh, needles are being moved with uh, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault at the center of the...
0: So if we're looking at the, the two markets, or three that are remaining, obviously they're not the, the biggest booming hockey markets, and we're all aware of that, and the storylines, and people trying to argue that it's good for the game or not, but regardless, um, is there a good, is the feel-good win than the Panthers, who've won 11 of their last 12 games, is that the story that you think most people will kind of rally behind in terms of looking for a positive spin, move the needle, is that is that the Florida Panthers?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody likes to get behind a, an underdog when you're looking at it from a neutral perspective, especially with uh, kind of the lightning rod moments that the, mm-hmm. that the Panthers have had in terms of highlights and just like exciting exciting overtime moments and stuff like that. I would say that the edge is in the, the Panthers' favor there. It's it, to me, it's it's just kind of cool that that like one team is going to get its first Stanley Cup if that is the matchup. So um, it's always fun to see uh, like a fan base finally break through. It would be a little bit longer for the Florida Panthers and a little bit more of a grind than it would be for the Vegas Golden Knights. So what is this like year five or something? So um, yeah, it's still cool no matter what to see uh, to see a team get its first.
1: I've been uh, kind of wrestling with this in my head too. the, the idea that this is the best Vegas team in history. Like, yes, they do have Jack Eichel. They finally have that star center. When I do look at the roster, I'm like, is this really the best team that they've had? They
2: have Aiden Hill in that.
1: I don't think, (laughs) I I mean, no disrespect to Aiden Hill, but like, uh, did anybody
2: know who that guy was when they traded for him last summer? Not unless you're a Sharks fan, I I think. So, I mean, like it's a, it's one of those situations where, you know, they've done it in a way that's really impressive in the sense that they can kind of plug guys in and out and, um, you know, it kind of speaks to the stru- the structure that, that Bruce Cassidy's brought there where, you know, they're all buying in and they're doing their job no matter who's, who's in net or who's in a certain spot in the lineup. But I, I don't know if I would say it's the most impressive roster on paper.
1: Yeah, it should be their fifth goaltender, Aiden Hill. You got Brassois, Leonard. Uh, Logan Thompson and Jonathan quick should be their fifth. If they started the season again, he would be number five. Uh, lots of star power available there in Vegas, but would Vegas have an answer for Brooks Koepka? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I, uh, if there's an, an area where I would expect Brooks Kepka to, to thrive, it might be Vegas and uh, then going back to <laughs> Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale and, oh and Miami. I don't even know. I, that might be the worst possible case scenario for Brooks <laughs> Kepka if he's yeah. planning on going and traveling to both cities. But if that series goes set up again, I can't show him on camera. No. He will just be a corpse.
0: Yeah, he might be uh, unrecognizable. It's gonna,
1: gonna be double. a good couple yeah. weeks to be one of his buddies because it seems oh, yeah. like his buddies are just absolutely living it up right now. So yeah, it's good, good to be a part of his crew.
0: Um, all right, Pete. Uh, before we let you go, we got to ask you about the Celtics because you know at least you got one team still cooking there in the playoffs. Um, I mean, it would look like it was heat all the way. He culture starting to fall apart. I don't know your pulse on if you watch much Celtics basketball, but they, you know, they they're finding a way possibly, or is this just a fake conversation? back
2: Um, I I think that they're the better team and so like I, I don't and at the court during the course of the regular season and even during the playoffs you you would if anybody would ask you like would you be surprised if the Celtics ripped off three or four wins in a row and you know even against the heat you'd probably say no like it wouldn't be that surprising so this team is capable of doing it it's just kind of at some points this team is very mentally weak and I don't know if they got that out of their system already in this series. And if so, I absolutely think that they're, they're capable of, of doing this and pulling it off. But it's just more of a question about whether they can kind of hold it together mentally. and I'm not super confident about that.
0: Well, there's still hope for another Boston parade down the stretch. And your Red Sox are doing better than our Blue Jays, so I can't really, uh, I can't really say much, but we try. Uh, Pete, appreciate you coming on this morning. and Enjoy what's left of the playoffs, and we'll chat after.
3: Sounds good.
1: Thanks
0: for having me. That's Pete Blackburn, hockey correspondent at Bali Sports.
1: (laughs) It's crazy how Boston works, eh? It's like, it's kind of a disaster. Like, it was a disaster. They were embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Missoula embarrassing himself. The team infighting. Lots of drama. And they still have a team in a conference final two wins away from going to an NBA final. And it feels like it's a really bad year for Boston sports.
0: They could be like the team that makes the NBA history that we haven't seen, right? To rally back from 3-0 in the conference final. Like if it's anyone, it's probably them.
1: I wonder what the, yeah. I mean, the the the, con, the important context is that they're playing an eight seed, right? True,
0: but it doesn't feel like it. <laughs>
1: it doesn't feel like it, but you're you look at that team last night and I haven't been watching Miami as close as I should or should have. But it's not crazy talent on that squad. They've got a couple injuries. They just uh, lost another guard. Their guard depth's being tested clearly. Lowry looks a little beat up. Bam doesn't look like a dominant player to me. He's had a decent playoff, but he's also been bad at times. Like, it's been on the back of Jimmy Butler and with Boston shooting the way they shot last night, if they can just repeat that performance a couple times, they're going.
0: Celtics three point favorites for Saturday night's game in South Beach, though. Mm-hmm. Miami's got to get it done at home.
1: I wonder how our buddy but- Brendan Tobin's feeling cold. this morning. I think he's probably a little more nervous than he was. Remember, we, oh, we were talking about this with Gunner. If you get that fifth, the, the win in game five, mm-hmm. if you force the game six, then the pressure then switches. To change. The pressure now switches to Miami. Jimmy Butler basically guaranteed that they were gonna win yesterday.
0: After, well, so. Celtics are still better or, or plus two seventy to win the NBA championship. Well the Heat are plus six hundred. So I don't know how you're not still betting six hundred on the Heat.
1: I think it's just like Denver's gonna roll.
0: Yeah, minus one. I can't
1: even imagine Miami trying to deal with Jokic.
0: Yeah, it'd be it'd be scary. Yeah. Parlay that together with Florida and Miami winning a championship. It can kind of be fun, but
1: it doesn't valuable. seem like that. One, Not as valuable as a once was.
0: No, 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 no. Um, all right, so we do have tonight uh, Blue Jays back in action. It feels like a must win. 8-10 first pitch, but you got Kevin Gosman on the mound, so if you're feeling like anyone's going to stop the avalanche from continuing it is Kevin Gosman, um, Varland on the mound for the twins. Twins at the top of their division, but still similar esque record there, twenty six and twenty four. Blue Jays twenty six and twenty five. So maybe evenly matched, but blue jays need this win and they've got uh, two ten tomorrow and two ten on Sunday before heading
1: Home. Yeah, a little bit of a break because we get the p- spot in the rotation you'd want with Kikuchi and mm-hmm. Manoa not being uh, entrusted with the ball this weekend. And also, they're not going to see Joe Ryan, who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, this season to start. Yeah, so, they, they
0: got their uh, lighter end of the rotation as well. So
1: It's not like set up perfectly, but it's set up as good as it maybe could be against the Twins. A couple important games this weekend.
0: Okay, so we got one more guest on the other side of the break. Send in your Wake and Rake picks because we'll get a baby Wake and Rake in to finish off the day. We'll do an update on our Chuck Schwab picks. <clears throat> not looking good for either of us.
1: Yeah, might be a read-through week.
0: That's okay. Um, and then we have... Tom Fitzgerald, former NHL forward member of the 96 Florida Panthers, that went to the cup final and current new Jersey Devils general manager. will chat about his time in Florida, how they're looking now, what the vibe is like, where the rats came from. And a little bit about the pesky Devils who had a, I think a NHL record turnaround franchise season, plus 49 points from last year. Obviously they, uh, they kind of impressed a lot of people. They have some off season Goals to accomplish, some RFAs to sign.
1: People have been calling them the new Leafs. So, how do you avoid oh. a leaf-like decline? Okay. Me a question ask Tom. For Tom.
0: All right, that's on the other side of the break. On the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Ailish, covering
2: the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective.
0: Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be
2: sure
1: to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: hour on the fan morning show on a Friday vibes are high you just heard the goal scored by Tom Fitzgerald in the 96 cup final for the Florida Panthers he joins us now former NHL board and current New Jersey Devils general manager that must be fun to hear a little reminisce on a good time in your hockey career
3: Oh, yeah, glory days. Glory
0: days. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was. I mean, you've got some connections to Florida, of course. Um, the expansion draft, first five seasons of their career there, and then obviously, you know, your son Casey was born during your time in Florida and then his time with the Panthers. I feel like there's got to be a sense of pride of just what's going on in the state of Florida with what the the Florida Panthers have done uh, to make it to the cup final for the first time in a long time.
3: Well, first off, thanks again for having me on. It's a pleasure. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, um, there, there is. There's such a sense of pride for me and my family. Um, you, you know the background. You know the the, the family situation with, with the Kachuks and Keith and I being first cousins. And very, very tight family um, growing up. And, and the boys are, are extremely tight as well. Casey lived with Matthew when he first got uh, picked up on waivers. Um, yeah, and then you just you piece together the the history of my career and uh, the place where I played most of my eleven hundred games and well, just shy of eleven hundred. Um, uh, and then think about, geez, your son's on the team. I remember when he got picked up on waivers. It just, it just, you know, it's special. You mm-hmm. know, um, he hasn't played much, but he's such a great team teammate, and they love him there, and he's part of it, and um, he's excited, and he enjoys when. He has family uh, down there. Um, you know, my wife and I and, and one of his brothers uh, spent uh, last week with him, watched Game 3. My wife watched Game 3 and 4. I had business to care. But, yeah, it's just such it's such an exciting time, and, and it does bring back great, great memories for, for my family.
1: Uh, you mentioned that we're, that's where we're going next, uh, the family connection to the Kachucks. What does a Kachuk fitzgerald family <laughs> outing look like?
3: <laughs> well uh a lot of we call it debating um <laughs> instead of arguing um but uh no it, it, you know what Keith's mom and my dad uh the only two left in our in their family their brothers and sisters and uh they only had each other so growing up like i said we we were we were all like brothers and sisters Keith's two sisters and extremely time I mean we vacation with the kachucks uh, my aunt and uncle, and uh, my mom, and uh, my family every summer um, in Maine together. We rent a big house together, and uh, every holiday, um, it's all we have is each other, really. Uh, so it's been it's been special. And watching Matthew and what he's mm-hmm. been doing, it's you know, such pride. And um, you know, I tried to convince him to come to New Jersey <laughs> last summer, but that actually in actually in Maine. Um, and that didn't work, uh, but I'm really happy for him. And he's really, uh, he's really become a uh, a cult figure down in South Florida. And it's, it's just, it's fun to watch and be part of too, from, from an outsider, and but an insider, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I'm not sure if you saw that. NHL thing the other day with him and Casey, but it is true. Like Our family members go down, and then it is a little bit like entourage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can speak uh, really highly of both the Kachuk brothers. Um, I think it's been a pleasure, really, in our market to start covering them a bit more now with, obviously, Brady being in Ottawa and and seeing what Matthew's been doing, but what I take from them, they're extremely well-spoken. They sound like great leaders. They love the game. Uh, They both love each other a lot, and it's nice to hear when a brother has such high compliment for another because i mean i'm sure they're competitive but they just seem to respect what each other are doing um knowing them as as not only athletes but as people like they just seem like incredible kids is that is that your perspective you got to to grow kind of see them grow up and where they're at now they seem like just just great dudes
3: they really are great kids uh genuine that's mm-hmm. for sure a humble um very humble um giving you know, you 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 see what uh, I see firsthand. What Matthew did during All Star Game weekend and, and the giving he gave, how he treats his his teammates, how he treats his trainers, and uh, and that that comes from Keith. You know, because Keith you know he grew up with it. You know, being a a good teammate, being a good person to to the people that uh, take care of him in in that locker room. And and Chantel is such a wonderful person. You know, so they they were they were raised right uh, raised. <laughs> Like I said, they're very genuine and, and, and very giving, but uh, great kids.
0: How much credit is uh, Keith Kachuk taken for getting in the media a couple months ago and saying the Floridians getting what they deserve, and now look at them now. <laughs> they've, they've stunned everybody. I think there might be at least a 5% uh, chance that he did something there.
3: Yeah, I saw something <laughs> the other day on uh social media he, he should be coach of the year yeah. he, really should. he should should be <laughs> <laughs> no you know what he, he he's got a platform and, and he, <laughs> he used it and, uh, and when I you talk about genuine that's Keith mm-hmm. um, he's uh, what he thinks he speaks and he just speaks his mind and <laughs> sometimes there's no filter
0: they listened
1: <laughs> uh, they definitely listened Um, so You know, I guess north of the border, we sometimes wonder how strong of a hockey market South Florida is and how strong of a hockey organization the Florida Panthers are. And we've seen, you know, it's not unlike what you normally see when a team has success. People get on board and people get excited. Um, But maybe you could shed some insight on the strength of the hockey market, how rabid the fan base really is, and whether your guys run in 1996 was instrumental in, in laying down permanent roots for a hockey program in South Florida.
3: Oh, for sure. You know, when we first got down there uh, in '96, there was a lot of touring, a lot of caravanning um, around different areas of South Florida, uh, putting on, you know, whether it's street hockey expositions or uh, teaching at games uh, what what icing is and uh, things like that. There was there was a lot of educating. Um, but I think the one thing that helped, uh, and I think they banked on it when they decided to put a team down there was. There's so many Northerners that uh, winter down in South Florida. You know, back in the day when you play the Rangers or Montreal, even Toronto, um, Boston for sure, I mean, the fans were, you know half and half um at times so i think i think that really i know that really helped uh the market and then you had people who like a lot of transplants that you know wanted to get their children into hockey mm-hmm. and uh, it's really grown and, and um you know I've, I've been lucky because i've seen it twice i, I saw it in south florida and how it how it started with the panthers and then when i moved on to the expansion uh, predators same thing you know those are two two really strong hockey markets Um, if you look at the big picture and how many kids are playing hockey now versus back then.
0: So you were obviously uh, a part of that pretty exciting run, nineteen ninety six Florida Panthers team that got to the, the Cup final. We we played your goal, bringing you in here. So what it's like? What is it like uh, with the Florida market when the, the vibes the vibes are high in the playoffs? Um, I'm sure things have changed a little bit, but just the idea that that place is rocking, throwing rats on the ice, like it just seems like a really fun place to watch hockey and to see your team being successful.
3: No, it, it is great. Like I said, it brings back memories. I, I kind of I wish we had. Uh, a week off in between you know the conference finals and the finals we literally had to get on a plane in pittsburgh on a friday or saturday night and we were doing media day the next day and we we're playing the day after um uh but just you know any time a community uh can can rally around a team for, for obviously winning winning does that it pulls people together it pulls communities together and um that's when I realized but this is a hockey town back then. When you're driving down 95 uh, from your home uh, to the Miami Arena back then and, and, and the playoff banners are just on every uh, light pole on the way down and uh, your pictures and your, your your teammates' pictures are all over it. I, I just I, – it is. It really is a, a really good hockey town um, because of those – and I said, when he when he does that, and it's a it's, it's a fun place to be right now for, uh, in South Florida with you know, with the Heat winning and mm-hmm. and and the Panthers winning. So, um, I'll be back, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'll be down. I'll be back for Game Three. Awesome. Uh, and probably f- and and four. So, and supporting <laughs> most important, supporting my son and, and and being there for him and rallying around the. Good time he's going through right now as a, a teammate of that uh,
0: those guys. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's a, that'll be a fun place to be. You mentioned South Florida right now is the is the hot spot with both teams uh, making a way to the championship. Uh, last one for you on the Florida side of it. I know the the Panthers, uh, the the rat, the whole tradition. I know that it started back, I believe, in 1995. I don't know if you have uh, much mm-hmm. insight on the, the the famous story, but if you can walk us through what you remember about how the rat became a part of you know Panthers history here because I think you might you might have a recollection of that.
3: Yeah, I do. I mean, it was open at night. We were playing <laughs> the Calgary Flames in uh, 95. Uh, it, you know, we had a makeshift locker room, literally. Like, it was it was wood. There was no... They didn't even throw a coat of paint on it or anything. <laughs> um, just threw up some stalls and and that's where that's we lived for five years. But we were just game days. That's it. We mm-hmm. went down on game days. We played games and, and left. But, yes, that <laughs> that rat came running down that hall and just kind of went left, right, left, right, went over. And next thing you know, Melody was just standing, standing there, came right near him. And, boom, he just one-time <laughs> the thing into the wall. And, you know, the blood, he uh, it it cleaned it up. We went out. We played. He scored two goals. And these are... Uh, Nicknamed it the uh, the rat trick, um, and then and then the rubber rat started because someone had a rubber rat and we pinned it against the 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 wall where Mel <laughs> no, uh, one timed it. Uh, RIP was written above it, and this, this 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 rat rubber rat was just there. And I, again, I don't know why and how they started throwing them on the ice, but the story obviously broke after and. <laughs> And ironically,
0: it was the year of the rat, the Chinese New Year. Oh, well, there you go. Some things uh, are just meant to be. <laughs> Something to rally around is uh, a dead rat. Well, whatever works for you. Um, we talked to Tom Fitzgerald, uh, former NHL forward and current New Jersey Devils manager. So let's shift to the pesky Devils because uh, they set multiple sure. franchise records this year. You guys had huge step forwards, like plus 49 points from uh, where you're at last season. Uh, I know there's probably a lot of answers that go into this, but what did the team find right this time around in terms of this dur- drastic? Shift into a pretty successful season.
3: Well, I think when you looked at our underlying numbers last year, you saw uh, you, you saw where we were going, and you know some of the outcomes we we could have had last year if things changed. We used seven goalies, and that's not to, to put blame on any position, but it, it's tough when you're not relying on one or two persons in the net. Um, we felt we we kind of balanced that out with um uh, uh, the trade for Tech last summer allowing Mackenzie Blackwood to grow and um, we didn't know where Jonathan Bernie's injury would take him um, but then a nice surprise with Akira Schmidt uh, this season and then obviously in the playoffs but uh, I think it's the character of the room you know bringing in the right people to help support our young Um push them in the right direction, help build a culture, a winning culture on expectations and standards um, every single day. Uh, Coaching staff led by Lindy Ruff um, had obviously different goals uh, during the season. And, and, you know, we're a fast team. We play a fast game. Um, We know what our identity is, uh, but also just, you know, the growth of Jack Hughes, the growth of Nico here and, and Jesper Bratt. I think we we, we upgraded our D with John Marino, uh, who was his really was an anchor force back there. And um, you know we wanted to get bigger and, and and more mobile on the back end going back two seasons ago, and I, I think we did that. We want to draft well. We I think we have a, a strong development department that develops. Young players into National Hockey League players, and we feel like we've got other we've got young kids coming um, that'll just continue this uh, uh, ascension to, to where we want to go. So, um, a lot went into it, but, uh, but at the end of the day, just knowing your team and knowing what you need, um, but shifting the mindset from, you know, trading away players at the deadline because you're not in a playoff spot to trading four players and adding to what you're trying to do mentality is really where the shift came from. And then it starts with the players and the coaches.
1: Yeah, a lot of people in this market, uh, and maybe exclusively this market, consider the Devils the next Leafs. And it's a team that you know uh, was able to grow the right way, add a lot of talent, and poised to threaten for multiple years to come. But I guess the problem is the Leafs have hit the wall over and over and again. And I guess when you guys think about progression and next steps and where you want to go, how do you make sure that it is still on an upward trajectory uh, from season to season?
3: Well, to be honest, I think it's a a compliment. I think the Leafs are a well-built team. Um, It's tough to win. It really is. There's only one winner at the end of the day, and it's really tough. Uh, Things have to be aligned. Uh, Maybe there's injuries. Maybe there's a a spike in another team's power play, what penalty kill. Um, But for us, uh, again, it's not getting too far ahead. We've said this over and over again. Our window is just beginning it's just opening up and now it's my job as the manager to to really build around those edges of what type of team we want um can we play any type of game you know can we can we play with, we know we can play the rush game we know we can play the skill game can we play the the interior game versus being pushed outside can we get to uh the net can we keep people from getting to our net so that, that, those are characteristic of good players, but it's also a mindset and a style that we demand or we'll need to demand to play moving forward. Um, that's, that's the goal, you know, not just to have one one type of team uh, versus uh, another one. It's um, really having a balance for what kind of players, like I said, it's building around those edges. We have a pretty good core of players with Jesper Bratt and Timo Meyer now, and uh, but adding the Palats and the, the Eric Hallers to that mix along with John Marino, um, uh, you just, you can't have enough character and you can't have enough uh, grit to to go along with the skill.
1: Uh, having the Hughes brothers is more than just a good story because Jack is brilliant and Luke is probably on his way there. Uh, but what do you think it did for Jack to have his brother on the team?
3: Well, just, you know, going back to the draft there when we were, you know, going to draft Luke, uh, or I thought we had a chance to draft Luke, you know, I, I spoke with the family and because um, there's a lot of emotions that may go into a, a daily routine where you never know. Maybe someone, maybe one of the brothers isn't playing well. Maybe Luke's not playing well. Maybe Luke gets scratched. Maybe Luke... Gets, like, there's a lot of things that I went through my thought process of, you know, the domino effect. Of, we, all know what the, we, we all know what the upside is, right? We all know. They're both going to be great. They're both all-stars. We're going to win cups with... Those the, we know what the upside can be, but can you handle the downside? Can you handle those? And you know, the, the thing that was relayed to me was they're independent contractors, as brothers. You know, they both came to the rink at different times uh, because they, at times, they had different schedules. Um, I think it, I think it really elevated Jack's game, but I think. Luke elevated his game because of Jack as well. Mm. Uh, and they're a hockey family and they're just, uh, they're fun. We're very fortunate to have them. Um, and I'm proud to be their GM for however long that is and because these kids are going to have great careers. And I was, I was, I can't tell you how impressed I was with, with Luke, especially, uh, when we just dropped him in the deep end of the playoffs.
1: A great hockey family there, and two great hockey families will be in Florida uh, for the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Enjoy the run. Enjoy the family time. We definitely appreciate you coming on this morning, and good luck next season.
3: Uh, I appreciate it, guys.
1: Take care. Anytime. Uh, That's Tom Fitzgerald, Devils general manager, father of Casey. Family member of Big Walt, Matthew, and Brady.
0: (laughs) I was just about to say the same thing on the way out, that good family stories uh, all throughout that interview. Very lovely. And the birds chirping in the background was just a very...
1: I feel like he's already in Florida. It was
0: a very nice conversation to end up our Friday. You know, birds and family. You
1: are glowing over there. It was
0: really nice. I love a good bird-chirping background. It's like listening to the Masters. (laughs) It's like we were at Augusta talking to Thomas Gerald. Um, right, let's wrap up our Friday with a little Wake and Rake. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be
1: raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy.
0: Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Just a quality guy. was pretty uh, surprised that he was not nominated for GM of the year, but uh, nonetheless we'll not bring that up.
1: That's like the one that they do during the playoffs, right? The only award that's the nominees are decided during the playoffs. And he was not one of them. Well, he went as far as the Leafs went, so
0: that's true. Pretty big turnaround of a season, though. Nonetheless, Tom Fitzgerald, great guy. Um, okay, so Wake and Rake today. Oh, uh, for three last night. You know what? If you're going to lose one, you might as well lose all three. Um, <laughs> we thought both series would at least end, and they both were extended. So that was. Wrong. We
1: thought there's a possibility.
0: Yeah. Well, we, I kind of wanted it we to We thought happen, the teams
1: but, up were going to have better performances. They we'll put it that
0: way. They sure did not. Um, tonight, no NBA and no NHL, as both those games will be Saturday. Uh, you would have a full slate of MLB. You got the Chuck Schwab cooking. <laughs> you laugh every time I say that. It's funny. The French Open is around the corner. We got to get our uh, – where's Neil in Newfoundland, buddy? Neil. Paging Neil. He'll come back into the fold when the French Open starts. I believe it's next week. Um, I think it's Sunday. Okay, well, next week we'll have him. We'll have Neil, hopefully, paging Neil. Uh, Okay, let's go through some picks. I know where I'm going, though. What did we start the show with? A little bit of tension, negativity. Blue Jays having closed-door meetings. The vibes are bad. Turnaround game. Blue Jays, money line today. They're starting a series against the Twins. They got Kevin Gosman on the mound. Somebody said something to someone in that room last night that's going to spark something tonight. I'm believing it. I'm willing it to happen, Justin. So Jays, money line. let's go.
1: Well, yeah, the guy who's most important to the Blue Jays having success in this game was a guy that no one had to say anything to yesterday Mm -hmm. because he is the most certain thing that the Blue Jays have. So, yeah, I think that's... A quality pick. Uh, I'm going to go to a relative certainty this season. George Kirby's been great for the Seattle Mariners. I feel like I picked the Mariners a lot. I I picked them last
0: week and they lost.
1: I like the Mariners at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The last game on the slate here. uh, So you can jump out if you want to. But George Kirby's been really, really good. George Kirby probably should have shorter odds for AL Cy Young. I'm just going to roll with pitchers that have been performing well. And George Kirby has so far this season. He stands out to me against a Pirates team. That is, you know, they played a little ahead of schedule in April and coming back down to earth. So minus 155 Mariners went on the money line with George Kirby on the hill.
0: Okay, uh, let's do a couple of picks here before we wrap up. Ian, the snowplow driver, Jansen over one and a half bases, plus 140 Jays money line as well. So we're in the same Jays money line.
1: Good morning, uh, the reliable Corey from Port Killing Hope. It. Five straight days of hitting his wake and rake picks. We have had to, to say pick him it. today. <laughs> Regardless, he likes the under eleven and a half runs in Colorado versus the Mets. That's it's high. Scherzer on the bump for the Mets. Colorado missing two of their regular regulars in the starting nine. Coors Field scary, yes it is, but he thinks it'll stay under today.
0: Okay, Brandon from Whippy Cubs minus one and a half. Huge pitching mis- mismatch in this one.
1: Morning, Justin Nailish. Uh, Will from Niagara likes. Kevin Gosman over strikeouts at eight and a half today.
0: That's in wild I, Eight and a half. It's plus number. money. I
1: think it's plus one twenty over. So if you were looking for a plus money play, maybe leave it out of the parlay. But if you want to cheer for Gosman, think he's gonna have a good night, get some plus money on nine strikeouts.
0: Jeremy from Meaford bragging that he grabbed Boston to win the series at plus eight hundred when they were down three nothing. Let's see. Best of luck of that one. Well, caches. here's
1: uh, just to interrupt things a little bit. Dallas down three to one plus fourteen hundred to win the Stanley Cup. Any interest there? No. Nah, me neither.
0: Thanks. Good morning, guys. Another golf win yesterday. I'm on a real heater. Today's three-ball pick is Cole over Kim and Stevens. Cole playing some solid golf recently with a T15 last week at the PGA Championship. Jared from Halifax. You know who else was T15?
1: Mike Block. Block. Block at the Schwab. And last one, uh, a lot of picks here. I believe this is Mike T from Hamilton. Tigers, Rays, Yankees, Orioles, Twins, all money line selections. He is fading. The Toronto Blue No, Jays that's
0: today. Adrian from Burlington. And he said, Raptors suck. Sorry, Mike T. Oh, I thought. And then. Sorry, said,
1: Mike T from Hamilton? Yeah,
0: he's probably calling out. We his probably
1: could have just avoided yeah. yeah, the yeah Raptors yeah, suck yeah. commentary, but. Oh,
0: it's Adrian from Burlington, not me. Okay, um, let's do. I think we got to go with Corey from Port Hope. What do you think? Five straight days of hits.
1: If it's true, which I believe it I, is. he would lie. He's as reliable as it gets. Let's do it.
0: I got to say, no Ron and Juliana message today. I just checked my Twitter and I don't know. Summertime. Are you guys good? Listen, the wake Send and rake getting message. more difficult
1: here. Just like twelve baseball I know, games today. I day miss is... them.
0: It's a reliable. I get it every day, and I just hope that they're 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 good. They're okay. Okay, so let's do our wake and rake. Is a three, uh, just baseball, big baseball day for us here. Blue Jays on the run on the money line. Sorry, Blue Jays money line, Mariners money line, and under 11 and a half in Colorado in the Mets today. Parlay that up. It is plus. Four fifty three.
1: And I'm gonna play Eric Cole in that matchup because Jarrett from Halifax is all over things.
0: Okay, well, let's kick off your weekend uh, with a Blue Jays win, I hope. we got Kevin Gosman on the mound versus Louis Varland, and the rest of the series will be Bassett and Barrios. So you're in a good spot to hopefully get at least two out of three. Um, that's at 8 p.m. tonight on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 1, Sportsnet 590. The fan is streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590. So, everybody, wonderful week back on the fan morning. So glad to be back here with you, Justin.
1: Let's do it again next week.
0: We'll see you Monday.